1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
2: But there are some who choose to forsake Jesus for the yoke of sin, for the yoke of bondage. And they, in a sense, put this yoke that's a heavy burden on themselves that's difficult. You know, like pulling a plow and breaking up clods. We have it so good in Jesus Christ. Why would anybody ever give up Jesus for something else?
1: People who come to Christ often talk about having the feeling of a load being lifted, of a great burden being removed, having been living under the guilt of the things that they've done wrong, of the people they've hurt, with no way to make it right. Thankfully, God makes it possible to get free from the weight of sin, and this is what Pastor Dan's teaching is about today. The Israelites knew this, but they chose to do their own thing, which left them with their guilt and sin and was about to end with their going into captivity. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Hosea chapter 10 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: what was true for Israel as a nation is true for an individual. Wealth and prosperity doesn't cause a person to do anything. It simply magnifies what's in a person's heart. So if it's in your heart to glorify God and you get more wealth, you're going to use that additional wealth to glorify God even more with it. If it's in your heart to sin, you're going to use it to sin. It's just going to show what's already in your heart. And so the more... Prosperity that Israel experienced from the blessing of God, just the more that they sinned, the more altars they built, the more sacred pillars they set up for their idolatrous worship. Look at verse 2. Their heart is divided. And now they are held guilty. And he, God, will break down their altars. He will ruin their sacred pillars. Their hearts were divided. Here Jesus said. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Not half your heart or most your heart. All your heart. to be fully committed in our hearts to the Lord God. Jesus said you cannot serve two masters at the same time. For either you will hate the one and love the other. Or else you will be loyal to one and despise the other. James said a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. If you're double-minded about Jesus Christ, if you have a divided heart, it will lead to instability in every area of your life. Israel was divided between the Lord God, Yahweh, and their idols. Now, 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 33, if you're taking notes, you can jot that down. 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 33, I think, gives a summary, really, of Israel at this time. Listen to what it says. It says, they feared the Lord, yet they served their own gods. They feared the Lord. They had a reverence for God. They had a reverence for the Lord. But they served their own gods. That's the definition of a divided heart. Elijah the prophet also ministered in the northern kingdom of Israel sometime before Hosea. And Elijah said to the people, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. Elijah said, don't have a divided heart. If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But you need to choose. Don't have a divided heart. Choose which God you will serve. Joshua said to the people of Israel, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said to the people, you need to choose which gods you're going to serve. You can't have a divided heart. And then he said, as for me and my house, we made our choice. Our family is going to serve the Lord. And I think it's good for us to ask the Lord to search our hearts. And ask the Lord to search our hearts and to show us if we have a divided heart toward Jesus Christ. If we have a divided loyalty. You know, Lord, are there things in my life that compete with Jesus Christ for my devotion and my attention? Lord, is Jesus Christ really preeminent in my life? I want him to be preeminent, but is he preeminent? Lord, do I really love you with all of my heart? Are there other things in my life? That's God's desire for us is that we would have a singleness of heart for him. Now, because Israel refused to end their idolatry and break down their altars to their other gods, uh, the, end, uh, the end of the verse here in verse 2 tells us that the Lord God will do it. He will break down their altars. He will ruin their sacred pillars. Since they didn't do it, he's going to do it for them. Look at verse 3, verses 3 and 4. For now they say, we have no king, because we did not fear the Lord. And as for a king, what would he do for us? They have spoken words, swearing falsely and making a covenant. Thus judgment springs up like hemlock in the furrows of the field. Israel at that time was saying, we don't have a king. Now Israel did have a king. They had a king the entire time. But they said, we have no king. Now, why were they saying that? Because, listen, their kings were incompetent. Their kings were incompetent leaders who were incapable of leading the nation or enforcing the laws of the land. And so it was as if the nation didn't have a king in the eyes of the people. Verse 4 indicates that the leaders... That they did have were liars who made false promises to the people and covenants that they didn't keep. And I want you to note this here. I want you to note this. In the final years of the nation, Israel had a crisis of leadership. And listen to me incompetent leaders and incompetent leadership was a part of God's judgment against that nation. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 4, if you're taking notes, God says, I will give children to be their leaders and babies to be their rulers. And one way God may bring judgment on a nation is to curse that nation with incompetent and ungodly leaders who are incapable of leading the nation. Like handing the nation over to children to run the nation. And I want you to know, too, that the crisis of leadership that came in the nation of Israel in the last days of that nation, the crisis of leadership in the nation came at a time of great economic prosperity in the nation. The economy was going well. Stock market was booming. And God gave them incompetent leaders. And in addition to that, according to Isaiah 3 again, the incompetency of the leadership led to the oppression of the people. The People became oppressed under the incompetent leaders and a breakdown in the order of society. And this was all part of God's judgment. When we hear or think of God's judgment, we think of fire coming out of heaven or something like that. Sometimes God just gives a nation incompetent leaders to judge them. And then look at the end of verse 4. The end of verse 4 says, judgment springs up like hemlock in the furrows of the field. God's judgment was springing up all over the nation like weeds. It wasn't one thing that was happening in the nation. It was a dozen things that were happening in the nation all at once, all over the place. And this was God's judgment. So was God's judgment on the nation because the nation had turned its back on God. So verse 5, the inhabitants of Samaria fear because of the calf of Beth-Avon, for its people mourn for it and its priests shriek for it because its glory has departed from it. If you remember, we've talked about this in recent weeks. King Jeroboam set up a golden calf in the north in Dan and another golden calf at Beth-El. And that's what it's referring to here, the golden calf at Bethel. Bethel means the house of the Lord. But here, Bethel is called beth Aven, which means the house of wickedness. It was the house of the Lord before. Now it's the house of wickedness because they've got this golden calf there. And this golden calf now is carried away. Its glory departs. Verse 6 says, The idol also shall be carried to Assyria as a present for King Jerob." Ephraim shall receive shame, and Israel shall be ashamed of his own counsel. So their golden calf is carried away by the Assyrians as kind of a trophy for their king. Listen, you should never trust in a God that somebody else can steal and take away from you, right? I mean, that's crazy. (laughs) But that's what happened. As for Samaria, her king is cut off like a twig, on the water. The king of Assyria will be cut off by the Assyrians. will be carried away to Assyria like a twig floats away on the water. You've done that before with your kids or whatever. You drop a little twig in the creek and watch it float away out of sight. And that's what's going to happen to their kids. He's just going to go away off to Assyria. Their leaders are gone. Also, the high places of Avon, the sins of Israel shall be destroyed. They Practice their idolatry on high places, on hills. The thorns and thistles shall grow on their altars, their altars to their idols. They shall say to the mountains, cover us. And to the hills, fall on us. And this is talking about the judgment that's going to come at the hands of the Assyrian army, when the Assyrians enter the land and invade the land, the people of the land will cry out for the mountains to fall on them, wanting to die, rather than face the brutality of the Assyrian army.
1: You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: Now in Revelation chapter 6, we're told that during the tribulation period that will come upon the entire earth, that seven year period when God pours out his wrath upon the earth, that the people on the earth will say to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. The people will know at that time that God is pouring out his judgment on the earth, that it's the wrath of the lamb. And people will want to die rather than experience God's wrath. I always like reminding believers of this. For those of us that are believers in Jesus Christ, we've trusted Jesus Christ, we will be taken to heaven before the tribulation begins, either through death or rapture, God is going to take us to heaven. God has not appointed us to wrath," it says in First Thessalonians, and praise the Lord for that. We'll be with Jesus in our Father's house in heaven. We're not going to be on the earth when God is pouring out His wrath on the earth during that time. But people would rather die than try to live through it. It's going to be so severe. Verse 9, O Israel, you have sinned from the days of Gibeah. There they stood, the battle in Gibeah against the children of iniquity, did not overtake them. When it is my desire, I will chasten them. People shall be gathered against them when I bind them for their two transgressions. God says here in verse 10, when it's my desire, I'll chasten them. God chastens whom he loves. The Bible says he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked and he chastens us to try to persuade us to change our ways just as a parent chastens their child to try to convince that child to change their behavior god chastens his people he's chastening israel here he says people shall be gathered against them when i bind them for their two transgressions now what was israel's two transgressions Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, that's number one, the fountain of living water, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. They have forsaken the Lord, and they've created their own gods that they were trusting in, instead of trusting in the Lord. Look at verse 11. Ephraim is a trained heifer that loves to thresh grain but i harnessed her fair neck and i will make ephraim pull a plow judah shall plow and jacob shall break his clods he describes ephraim as a trained heifer that loves to thresh grain now a heifer enjoys threshing grain because it's easy work It's not a burden on the animal. And they get to eat the grain as they're threshing it. So they can just kind of snack the whole time that they're working. Life is good. I just got to walk around in a big circle and eat. It's wonderful. They love it, right? It's certainly much easier than plowing a field with a yoke and a plow attached to the heifer where this heifer now has to drag this plow and plow Furrows into the ground and plow up the ground and break up the dirt clods. And the point that God is making here is Ephraim enjoyed God's provision, they enjoyed God's blessings, but they chose to forsake God and his blessings for the yoke of idolatry and for the yoke of sin. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard, it's just hard. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'll give you rest for your soul. But there are some who choose to forsake Jesus for the yoke of sin. For the yoke of bondage. And they, in a sense, put this yoke that's a heavy burden on themselves that's difficult. You know, like pulling a plow and breaking up clods. We have it so good in Jesus Christ. But why would anybody ever give up Jesus for something else? You're blessed. The burden's light. The yoke is easy. Why would you trade that for bondage and heavy labor? Pulling a plow. But people do. So verse 12. Look what he says now in verse 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. The Lord here in verse 12 calls Israel to repent, to change their ways. And and I love that it's, 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 it's not complicated. He says, sow righteousness. Start sowing righteousness in your life. Start doing what's right in God's eyes. And if you do that, you're going to reap God's mercy. And he says, break up your fallow ground, your fallow ground. Now, fallow ground is land that has been plowed in the past, but then is left or is abandoned. So what is he saying here to Israel? There was a time in the past when Israel did sow righteousness. There was a time in the past when they did seek the Lord. There was a time in the past when they reaped mercy and grace from the Lord. But then they left the Lord. They abandoned that field. They left. And so the Lord says, break up the fallow ground. Return back to that abandoned field. Return back to those righteous works again that you used to do. That once bore such good fruit in your lives. And do those things again. In 1 Kings chapter 18... When Elijah the prophet has his showdown with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. You guys remember that story? Of course you do. Where he takes on the 450 prophets of Baal. And the whole nation is gathered by Elijah at the foot of Mount Carmel for this showdown. Now why did Elijah take them to Mount Carmel? In 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 30 it says Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord Yahweh that had been torn down. He gathered the whole nation there at Mount Carmel for this showdown because there was an altar to the Lord that was there. In the past, Israel had worshipped the Lord God at Mount Carmel. There was once an altar that stood there to the Lord. And so Elijah brought Israel back to that same place that was once a place of worship and devotion to the Lord. And he repaired the altar because that's what the nation needed to do spiritually in their hearts. They needed to come back to that place of worship. They needed to come back to that place of dedication and devotion. They needed to repair the altar, so to speak. And here in Hosea, the Lord says to Israel, break up your fallow ground. Go back to the things you used to do to honor me and glorify me and do those things again. In the New Testament, John the Baptist, J the B, he's baptizing. Where is he baptizing? In the Jordan River. In the Judean wilderness. Out in the desert. At a place called Bethabara. The house of the crossing. He's baptizing out in the desert in the Jordan River at the place where the children of Israel crossed into the promised land originally under Joshua. There's a whole lot of other places he could have baptized people in Israel. Why there? Because he was calling the nation back. Back to when they first entered the land by faith, trusting the Lord following the Lord, believing the Lord. He was calling the nation to repentance, to come back, come back to the beginning, come back to where it all started, where you first came into the land. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus says to the church of Ephesus, you have left your first love. You've done all these great things, but you've left your first love. And then he says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works go back to what you were doing when you first fell in love with the Lord and here through Hosea the Lord says go back and break up that fallow ground go back and do the things you used to do the righteous things that honored me and glorified me that produced good fruit in your life go back and do those things again So the question for us is, is there fallow ground in your life as a Christian? Is there fallow ground that needs to be broken up? Are there practices in your Christian life that you once did, that you've abandoned, that once bore wonderful, godly fruit in your life that you need to return to? that you need to go back to and do those things again. He goes on here in verse 12 to say, for it's time to seek the Lord. It's time. Meaning now it's time to seek the Lord until he comes and reigns righteousness on you. Do you understand what he's saying here too? He's also saying, if we do our part, God will do his part.
3: He asked me how I
1: you are listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Hosea, and he has more to share with you next time. As you'll learn throughout this book, Hosea was no stranger to the cycle of repentance, redemption, and restoration. In his own family, there was much forgiveness and restoration that was needed. God allowed this to be the case in order to show the nation of Israel what this looked like in a personal way. Even today, God never wants you to stray from Him. But if that does happen, His deepest desire is for you to come back to Him with a repentant heart. Are you currently clinging to God as your lifeline, or are you at a distance questioning Him? If anything about today's message has struck a chord with you, we'd like to talk with you please give us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. Just find our info under the About tab. If you're not connected yet with a local church, we encourage you to find a church home that will help guide and support you in your faith. In fact, if you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. If you'd like more details, visit calvaryec.com. On our next edition, Pastor Dan will have more to share from the book of Hosea, here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and
3: I recognize the hands that crack. we